All right, troops, strong and conditioned, live and direct from the patio of pain, or the Chateau du Burpy, I like to change it up on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight I am very honoured, I'm always honoured to have my guests on, but I'm particularly honoured to have this gentleman on because he's a very original chap in the, the, the YouTube scene. One has caught my eye quite a while ago and he's a very hard man to get a hold of, like other stuff. <laughs> Never answers these messages. It's the supreme athlete, Mr. Performance himself. It's Alec from Inkiri Elite Fitness. How are you, Alec, yeah. brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, mate. I'm just, uh, I'm nursing. I, I, I got an injury today, actually. I was uh, showing a, a, a person in the gym an overhead press with very light weights, and I felt a searing pain okay. shoot up my upper back. And I thought, I've did something wrong here. Something's went a bit crazy. And you know that grim reality when you're injure yourself through something innocuous. Because you'll know yourself, it tends not to be the training that injures you. It right. tends to be the, the mundane activity, such as picking a handkerchief off the floor, for example. Right. I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that. Either it's something mundane or it is a light, warm-up weight you never get injured when you're i personally never gotten injured on a max attempt never have i gotten injured on a hard working set every time i've gotten injured it was okay i'm gonna hit whatever i'm gonna squat 400 pounds for 10 reps today oh crap i strained my adductor warming up with 300 before i could get to 400 or something similar like that i've strained an erector muscle on a front squat with i was it was when i was squatting very frequently a time a few many years ago and it was man i i had been doing something like squatting three front squatting 375 every single time i would go in the gym that particular day i got injured with two something 200 some pounds so it's always exactly something mundane or something that you are not anticipating being even mentally like concerned about you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah, that's actually a key point because when you are moving the lighter weights, and it's probably to your detriment, but you're not focused, it's, it's, it's bread and butter, so you just see it as a warm-up. Right. When you're moving maximal weight or close to maximal weight, on the other hand, you are locked in, you are scared of injury to a certain degree, scared. so you have that mindset so it's always the, the stupid wee things as we say in scotland that catch you unaware so that's been my day and i'm having trouble telling my head at this point i feel like cut angle right now like after a 20 year career in wrestling when he has to turn like that like he can't <laughs> turn his head round without a searing pain shot the back of his neck well i hope you feel better soon it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that way, like, you start to catastrophize an injury yes. and you think, oh, I've slipped a disc. I've got a bulging disc. Oh, I think I'll right. be paralyzed by the time I wake up tomorrow morning. What's, what's going to happen here? Yeah, catastrophizing is uh, <laughs> something I have dealt with with certain breeds of clients that, I, of, of, that I've worked with. And obviously, it's good to have, like a, like, a healthy fear right of being injured and maybe that's something that i've personally not had enough of as a healthy fear but or of being injured or of be actually being hurt but the 
ruminating on it and not being able to focus on anything else or not being able to think about the, the positive of how you can work your way out of it and that kind of thing. I, it's something I've dealt with. It can, it can be challenging. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's always the initial uh, mental impact before your brain starts to get used to the injury. Right. You start to, right. Because ultimately, w- what we are thinking is that I'm never going to train again. Like my training career is now officially over. Right. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to lose the one thing that keeps me sane. <laughs> That's what it is, too. Well, it can definitely be hard, especially because you're going from well, I could just do all these kinds of physical feats 10 seconds ago, and now I'm completely incapacitated. So that's a difficult change in mindset to have to deal with. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So so what's your approach to injury? Like, how do you deal with an injury, Alec? Uh, it, so in my with myself, I, I honestly, I have not had anything – any real injuries in, in quite some time. So um, historically I would, I would rest, you know, it, it, obviously the severity is, is important. It depends on how hurt you are. It depends on what you have hurt, but typically what I would do is just kind of rest through that acute phase or whatever. And then uh, I would start back up always with, I would find what, what can I do right now? And then I would, find things that aren't going to bother me that aren't going to make it worse. And I would hit those as, as well as I could and kind of expand from there. Uh, I, like I said, I haven't really been hurt in, in years at this point. So I have helped people rehabilitate. So I have kind of, um, I I've kind of developed a repertoire, so to speak of, of tactics. And what I would do, what I kind of lean more towards now is, um, I never really want total rest if we can help it. What I initially will try to do is say somebody strains a muscle. Uh, m- movement, right? Keeping, getting as much blood flow into the area as you can. So if you've strained, in your case, you've strained your erector uh, or your, your upper back or your neck or whatever it is, maybe any kind of, um, if you could help it, if it's not going to, if it's not searing pain for you, maybe like completely unloaded, but just, you know, moving the neck around right now. They're essentially the same as what you would do for a neck extension. Um, and the point would just be blood flow, right? And so you would start, essentially you start at the highest level that you can where there is no pain. And you just do that as often as you can. And as the pain fades away, like it will do if you're not constantly re-aggravating the injury, then you just gradually bump the intensity up. But in, in my in my experience, it's really keeping keeping doing what you can and keeping working the injured area tends to be what's very effective for not just getting rid of the pain, but hoping, hopefully ensuring that that kind of thing doesn't happen again, because the best predictor of a, of an injury is a previous injury, right? Like with hamstring strains, for example, if an athlete has strained a hamstring, that's like one of the greatest indicators that an athlete will in the future again, strain a hamstring. But in my opinion, a lot of that really comes down to the fact that we lean too much on total rest after an injury rather than a proactive rehab type of mindset and type of approach. And I think that can really make all the difference, honestly. Yeah, I 
I no, I absolutely agree with you. However, like my approach personally is based on it's it's, it's it's insanity. There's an insane element to my recovery techniques, so to speak, and I usually tend to seek solace in the hot water bottle. I don't know if that's uh we call it a hot water bottle in Scotland. It's something that you would fill with a kettle. Okay. It's like a big bag. And you put okay. it in your bed at night to heat the bed up. Okay, okay, okay. So just like heat therapy, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I've had a back injury, I've just whacked a hot bottle on it. Because I feel that it, I don't have any science behind it. And I think the idea of putting an ice pack on my back, it doesn't make sense to me. Although conventional wisdom would suggest that that is the right thing to do. But I've always found that something like a hot water bottle just kind of eases the pain. It's almost like it promotes blood flow to the, to the, the muscle. Say. Yeah, right. and it makes the most kind of it kind of leans along that same concept I was talking about blood blood flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ma- it makes the muscle feel more pliable in some respects. Right. So I tend to find that works for me, but it's there's there's a degree of a, what we call an old wife's tale attached to that. Sure, a lot of things we do have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes they they work obviously, but I don't have a, a hot water bottle. I've lost my hot water bottle, so I'm going to have to suffer in silence. <laughs> yeah, I, I I bought some, uh, you know, Tiger Balm. I do. Yes, I bought Tiger Balm, but I can't get it on because it's like so far back. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to get a back scratcher or something like that. <laughs> and I didn't want to get my four year old to put it on my back because it would have she wouldn't have understood the concept of having deep heat in her hands and wondered where the burning sensation. Oh man, is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do that, be sure to film it. Send it to me. I'll be curious to see. <laughs> oh, injuries suck, man. They really do suck. They, they take they away do. your things. So, so Alex, that was a brief uh, detour from my opening question, which I like to ask okay. my guests is, Alec, can you explain your training journey? Can you, can you just go through it briefly and we can start to build on that? Um. So when I'm talking, if you're talking about me, like what yeah. I post on YouTube, what you see on like my Instagram, that kind of thing, I would say at this point, so I'm 35, at this point in my life, my goal, my primary goal is to stay as athletic as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. So my goal right now is hold on to like, I posted a video the other day of just me doing a bunch of jumps and sprints and heavy lifts and all that kind of stuff. My goal, keep that as as close to that ceiling that it's at right now for as long as I can. So everything that I'm everything that I do, everything that I do in my own training is kind of centered around that concept. So at this point, you'll see you'll still see heavy, heavy strength work, heavy lifting. Right. But you'll also see a lot of running. You'll see a lot of jumping. You'll see a lot of uh, lower intensity, what I would call prehab techniques, things that are so like I, I'll work my I, I, I put much more of a premium on working my abdominal muscles, but also at this point, but also working all the individual functions of my hips. So I focus on flexion, a, a thing that pe- a lot of people ignore. I focus on hip adduction, hip abduction. Um, I'll work the rotational capacities to different extents, throw a little bit of conditioning work in there as well with my running and then uh, different types of mobility drills as well. So everything, it really just boils down to maintaining these physical qualities that I have spent decades building now as long, as best I can as for as long as I can. 
Can I just add that when you spoke about you had just released a video of which looked like a highlight reel to me. <laughs> uh, and there was one thing that made me laugh and it also made me, like I, I might be a bit uh, controversial here, Alec, but there was a scene where you jumped over a fence wearing a pair of denims or jeans. Uh-huh. Now, I, I've, got two, I've got two issues with that, one positive and one negative. The positive okay. being that I like to work out in my jeans as well. Okay. I also like to make uh, social media content working out in my jeans because I did it initially just out of boredom and one of my friends texted me straight away and went, I cannot believe you work out in your jeans. Why are you posting <laughs> that? And I, th- I thought that's actually quite funny. I'm going to start doing it more often because it gets a, a sort of reaction. So I, I like that element, but... That jump you did was wild, and I'm convinced there was a trampoline on the other side of the fence. <laughs> You'll never know, man. <laughs> right, so so you're leaving us with a, a hint, a, oh, an no, air of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I filmed the side of the fence that you saw, and I filmed the back side of the fence, too. But that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell you what I did to get over the fence. <laughs> it was awesome. It was like something out of uh, uh, an '80s Hollywood movie, definitely. <laughs> so I don't even know how tall the damn fence is. It's, I think it's taller than me. It's got to be at least. It's got to be around six feet tall. Damn. I have jumped onto a five foot box before. Right. That was also in that same video, I believe. So, yeah. you know, make make yeah. of that what you will. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I was impressed, by obviously, by the jeans and the height of the jump. So. Right, right. <laughs> Wait, so, so let's go further back in your training journey. Let's talk about the origins of your training journey oh, and how you got into said journey. Uh, so it's kind of a, you know, it's a long and winding road. Um, so I originally started... I don't know, man. I, I always so what I always played sports. So that was kind of like <clears throat> what got me. Like it wasn't like I was a, a stranger to physical fitness or to ap- athletics. Uh, but I was a stranger to the gym and to the weight room. So what I realized when I was about, I don't know, 17 years old, is that I was very, very skinny. I was about the height I am now. Uh, but now I weigh about 170, 175 pounds. Back then, I was about 115, 120 pounds. So you can imagine I was I was pretty pretty thin. So I wanted to put size on. I wanted to put some some muscle on my frame, just for no other reason than I didn't want to be quite so quite so skinny. I didn't have the uh, I didn't really have the concept of how I could segue that into enhancing my athleticism. I was decently fast already. I was a, I was a pretty good athlete. Um, that kind of thing. And what happened was I just got into the gym. I did, or, or what I actually started out with was literally just push-ups and, uh, sit-ups. I didn't have any equipment yet. And I put a little bit of muscle on that way. And that kind of got me a little bit hooked. So what I did was I bought a weight set. That's the bench. And now I switch from push-ups and sit-ups. And instead now I do bench press and, uh, dumbbell curls. And I do that probably every damn day. I don't know. Something like that. And I put a little bit of muscle on that way as well. And, but by this point, I'm kind of like in it, right? I'm hooked on it because I saw, I, I, I got stapled by a bench press and then two or three weeks later I crushed it. Right. So now I'm like, Oh my God, you can, you can get stronger. And that just like, that just like set it off for me. 
so after that, I got into my college and I uh, started working out in the weight room there. And that was where I really started getting into things like um, squats and deadlifts and lower training, actually training like the lower body. And then I discovered the internet and all the abundance of information that was on there. And from there, I learned that you can, you know, take these, these ideas of applying uh, leg training and you can use them to become a better athlete. And it really, uh, I discovered, it was called the vertical jump, vertical jump Bible. I think it was... What was his name? Damn, Kelly. Uh, Kelly. Who's the man? I always get their names mixed. I think his name is Kelly Starrett. Yeah. Or that's the physical. Yeah. Is that the physical therapist guy? I I can't remember, man. I can't remember his darn name. I feel bad. Uh, but anyway, the book was called The Vertical Jump Bible, and I and I still have it. It was an awesome book. Awesome, if for no other reason than it really is what taught me that you can take these concepts and you can even just improve your ability to jump higher, which was something that like you, a concept you see on the internet a lot is that you can't improve your ability to jump higher. I know for a fact that you can't because I've done it. And what taught me that, what opened my eyes to that was that guy's book. But after that, I really started to explore the world of athletic enhancement, improving your athletic ability. And that's kind of how we just branched out from there, man. Like I start, so I'm getting a little sidetracked, but I got, I was really into strength training at that point. So then I discovered Olympic lifting. Um, I got really into that for a little while. That helped me with learning about improving explosiveness, improving power output. Uh, after that, I got sucked into powerlifting for a little bit. I did compete in powerlifting competitions. Um, that helped to teach me more about strength training and proper, just like getting stronger and proper programming. And then I started getting on YouTube a little while after that. And, uh, that was where I kind of uh, rediscovered my love because I had been kind of sucked into that powerlifting world for a little while. Once I got back onto YouTube, it was kind of where I rediscovered my love for uh, all things, all things fitness, really. And then that's kind of just evolved from there over the last several years. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, one of the things that jumped out to me was getting pinched or pressed on the, the bench press. What weight was on the bar? Uh, I honestly believe, I believe it was 145 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not bad because I had a similar experience, which is why I honed in on that uh, comment you made, because my initial foray into the gym was using machines because this was at the end of the nineties when machines were all the rage at this point, And it wasn't in the way that they're in the rage. Now they were just in the rage because they looked different right. from, like barbells and dumbbells. And I always remember going to a more spit and sawdust style gym and trying yeah. the bench press for the first time. And someone had put 50 kilos on the bar, okay. which is probably about 120 pounds. Yeah. And I got completely crushed under that. And I thought I was strong because I was like repping out on a machine and thinking, <laughs> and you, I had no knowledge of training at this point, or it was very, very basic. And I thought, this is easy, man. And like, and then I went to that gym and I get crushed under an Olympic bar and it stuck with me. I'll never forget right. that. It was like a, it was like a dose of reality just hitting me at that very moment. But it How was, a, I was, I, you know, I was probably about 22 or 23 at the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit older, mate. I know I look younger, but <laughs> <laughs> how old are you now? Hey, I'm 45. 
Oh, wow. No, you look good, man. I wouldn't have guessed that. I was thinking late late 30s is what I was thinking. I hope my wife watches this. I really hope my wife watches this. I think, I think I'm, my, my camera's using AI to smooth out the wrinkles. You get that option on this software, by the way. Oh, uh, nice. I do that for me. <laughs> but like you, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moment where you think right i need to do something about this i need to change like i need to change the way we all need to be crushed under that barbell as long as we make it out okay from it yeah 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 yeah. but i just i also want to add uh, alec that your training i have an affinity with to a certain degree even though i don't train like you at all and it's because you remind me of when i discovered the joe defranco uh videos Back okay. in the late two thousands, that was another, another dude I followed. Yeah, man, I still I follow him on Instagram. But yes, he was one of my inspirations back in the day for sure. Yeah, Led like stuff I, I picked up from him. Yeah, I I would put Joe up there in my top three of the most influential guys. In fact, Joe probably created the landscape of which gyms operate nowadays. That industrial probably unit true. style gym. Uh, even things like the Bulgarian split squat. I'd never seen a Bulgarian split squat until I started watching Joe DeFranco's uh, content. But now they're everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. Right. So that was my question. Were you influenced by the works of Joe DeFranco? I sure as heck was, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I think I discovered, did you ever read or did you ever hear about the website T-Nation, Testosterone Nation? I I know test. I I, I post on the forums on T-Nation to this day. I'm I'm quite a regular contributor. I, I don't, so I don't check out the, for, I used to, I used to browse or lurk the forums. I didn't, uh, I haven't checked on them lately. So like, where, where do you post on there? Out of curiosity. Uh, I don't post as often as I used to, because I usually go on to read Jared Miller's posts. Uh, Jared's okay. a guest that I've had on a couple of times. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He's a, he's just a very original guy in the training sphere. And I like to get him on because he's, he's, the way he puts across his ideas is phenomenal. But yeah, I, I read a lot of Joe DeFranco's uh, articles on T Nation. Right. Yeah, that was that so that was exactly where I discovered him. Um that was where I picked up the idea of if you've seen me do like really basically as heavy as you can drag or push a sled, I picked that up from Joe DeFranco. Um I don't even remember, man. He's he would definitely be so after the guy who wrote the vertical jump book. Uh, he would definitely be, I would say, my second most influential in terms of that, like, athleticism, in terms of, like, building an athlete type of concepts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, I assume you also seen the legendary training montage that he used to have up on YouTube that was, Uh, it was soundtracked with the song, like, the bodies hit the floor, and it was just like a highlight reel of all these... that was I, not that, in quite some time, but that I remember that. So it kicks off as soon as the song starts to go. I think the guy drops like a trap. It's like a trap bar deadlift. I think it's like the first lift, and he drops yes, it at the yes, top, and then the yes. song jumps. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, re- I actually recommend you go back and watch it at some point because it will make the hairs in the back of your neck stand up to this day. It's it's probably one of the best training montages I've ever seen. In my, it blows anything away that's made today. 
Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I, for, I had forgotten all about that video. <laughs> yeah, because there's a rawness to it. It's filmed on like a 2008 style camera phone. Right. And it's, it's, it's just intense. But back <laughs> then, you had never seen that. Like, you'd That's never true. seen anyone training like that. It was so fresh. And watching guys do strongman training in a gym setting. Right. So I'm talking too much here, Alex. It's you that's supposed to talk. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it, Alex, that like drives you to like emphasize on the performance aspect of training? Mm, I would say it's just that that is what has been the most satisfying for me, the, the coolest thing to watch improve. So like, you know, I've done it all, uh, most of it at this point. I have put a, put in my hours trying to get stronger. Um, I've dabbled with conditioning, like pretty intense conditioning types of work. Um, and then that kind of power explosiveness and just general athleticism concept as well. And every time you PR on something, for me, the, the one that gives me the most satisfaction is like if I can sprint faster if I can jump higher, if my agility has improved, uh, or even something like a, like a, a power-based movement. So like a loaded jump or a kettlebell swing or an Olympic lift variation or whatever. Those are the ones that for me have just been like, they're what really keep the, keep the fire going or keep the fire lit the most intensely is what I would say. So that's yeah. what it is. What, what, so when you speak about dabbling in intense conditioning, what is it that you actually mean? What is it that you have dabbled in? Uh, so for me, I, it's never been anything like, uh, distance, right? So the most I've done, like in terms of, if you want to call it distance running would be like a one to two mile type of run and just improving my baseline on there. Um, but even that I've only ever done sporadically. So <clears throat> for me, what I tend to stick to is what I like the best, which is like, extended shuttle type drills like in the in the running sphere so <clears throat> instead of i'm going to do a a low intensity jog for five or 10 or 15 minutes i'm going to do rounds of <clears throat> like hit style essentially hit hit style uh training but not quite full-on sprinting like so one thing have you ever heard of a, it's called a 300 yard shuttle drill so you get two cones can't see my hands you get two cones you put them 30 yards apart, basically 30 meters apart, and you run it 10 times. Um, you break for a few minutes, and then you run it again. So that gets you 300 yards uh, of total work. And obviously, the goal is to cover that distance as fast as you can. Um, but that gives you an idea of the type of like running thing that I would do. Uh, I've talked about on my YouTube channel something. So I call them density blocks, where I do loaded carries. And what I initially started doing was I would do a short distance just because that was all I had available to. So I was doing them. I started doing them in my driveway. I started doing them at this gym I was training at where uh, the, the turf field was like 25 yards. So you take what you've got available and you work with it. So what I was doing was I was run, I was doing heavy loaded carries for that short distance, um, sort of heavy. <clears throat> and I would just set a timer, 15, 20 minutes, and I would do as many carries as I could. So I would just rest as little as possible. Uh, over time, I would just try to do more reps in the same chunk of time. And then I would very slowly increase the weights. So I made a video on that a few years ago. 
what I started doing more recently was dr lowering the load and then drastically extending the distance. So what I was doing last year, I, w I bought a bunch of sandbags and I would throw the sandbag over my shoulder or bear hug it or whatever. I would take it however the hell I could just to make it as, as, as comfortable as you can possibly be with a sandbag. And I would carry it 400 or 800 meters without putting it down. So I was going <clears throat> into my street here, it's 400 meters. I would take it down, I would take it back, I would rest a couple of minutes, and then I would do it again. Um, similar, similar to the other loaded carry concept, but now you have far less of a strength emphasis and you end up with far more of, not really like a sort of a cardiovascular benefit. Obviously you're, you're panting really hard by the end of these things, but there's a lot of muscular endurance benefits as well. As you can imagine, it's, it's pretty, it becomes difficult to hold 50 or 60 kilograms on your shoulder for five, six, seven minutes at a time without setting it down. So yeah. those are the kinds of things. Like, like I like to vary, you know, I like, yeah. I really like to lean on that loaded carry idea, but obviously you need to, you need to run too, in my opinion, to, to really max out your conditioning capacity. Yeah. Do you ever do any like uh, zone two style running or like to build an aerobic base and go for 30 minute duration runs or above? Nope. Can't do it. Don't have the temperature. <laughs> it bores the hell out of me, man. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. But do you not think that as a performance based uh, like fitness guy, that that's something that you really should be taking on board because ultimately that's going to elicit a certain response which is going to enhance the performance package that is quite possible um <laughs> <laughs> i i'm not gonna say that you're wrong uh it's really it doesn't it doesn't jive with me so it's just i don't know man it, i'm more like i will put on a weight vest and i will speed walk for 30 or 40 minutes before i'll jog and I don't know why I don't, I can handle the walking. I can't, I just psychologically, I hate it. Just it may, I'd rather just end it, man. I, I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> right. So, so I, I, like, have you ever tried it for a sustained period of time or is it something that you've dipped your toe into and thought, mm, I hate this shit. I cannot be bothered. Cause I, I understand running, running is boring. Running is very boring. <laughs> I will say I've dipped my toe into it, uh, into more extended, like what you're talking about now. Uh, I have more experience with slightly more intense, but shorter runs. Like I said, what, like one or two miles at a time, like that type of thing. Um, which I feel for me kind of, kind of tells me all I need to know about how I feel about that type of work. Basically. I, I don't feel, I mean, Yes, I'd probably get something out of it, but I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not seeing the glaring holes. So like I went for example, I'll just give you an example. I hadn't picked up a tennis racket in since 2010, basically. Okay. That's kind of a lie. I play, I hit last summer, but prior to that, I hadn't picked up a tennis racket in 12, 13 years, right? A couple weeks ago, I was on a little vacation and there was a sports club. And they had a bunch of tennis pros there, uh, guys who work at the facility to teach tennis lessons and whatnot. Yeah, I I I I uh, got a couple of appointments there so I could play tennis with one of them. 
have again haven't really played this sport in over a decade and i was out there for over the course of two i, I got to play two days in a row and i was out on court for about six hours cumulatively no problems at all man and we got yeah. we got pretty intense with it so you know i do i think there's something to be gained yes definitely i will not deny that <clears throat> do i feel that i'm really missing anything not really yeah but like it, it, it sounds quite i don't know this is something that doesn't sit right with me in this respect yeah, because fine. i think that it's something that would potentially elevate your game to another level because okay. I, like i always go by the tactical barbell uh, base building system have you ever have you ever read tactical barbell um, i have not right okay i, I recommend that it. it's, it's a great series of books uh, however there's a conditioning part to the book and there's a specific uh, training program called base building and it's geared towards guys who have been powerlifting and Olympic lifting and weights for years who just want to try a new approach. They want to give their joints a rest. And the first four weeks of the block is running for 30 minutes up to 60 minutes. However, once you have achieved those three 60-minute runs, you then maintain with one run per week for 30 minutes. Okay. So do you not think a man of your caliber could make that time investment and just forget about the boredom and realize that it's not all about fun, Alec? <laughs> Sometimes we need to grind and we don't want to all be having a laugh jumping over fences in our Levi 501. <laughs> so, you know, man, if I had if I had if I had a $10 million contract to play whatever the hell sport then yes, you wouldn't have to sit here and convince me to put a, a one-hour investment each week into a little bit of a base-building style running. But you know, until somebody until somebody's writing that check for me, it's you know maybe I'll dabble at some point to kind of see what happens. But for me, it, it really it always has to come back to the uh, the fun aspect and and the satisfaction aspect because yeah. at the end of the day, I, I'm doing it for me and. Yeah. And I have made it into a profession, but like everything that I get out of it is just, it's just what I put into it, you know? So like, you know, it's excuses, but, no, but you no, know, no, listen, I, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of just trying to uh, get a rise out of you, so to speak. Oh, that's all good. But uh, when it's actually quite trendy now, I'm noticing there's actually a shift in the fitness field because I think the the, the, the lifting part of uh, fitness is oversaturated. Everybody lifts. So sure. these influencers are probably trying to think, wait, what can I latch on to next? And the thing about running is, is that once you actually get through that initial couple of weeks, you start to experience that runner's high and it gets quite addictive, like almost meditative to a certain degree. Okay. So I'm starting to see guys like Alan Thrall and uh, Mark Smelly Bell, they're all starting to run. So it's starting to catch on. But the, the ironic thing about this whole conversation is that, that I don't run myself. I've, I very rarely run. Like, so. That was my next question for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something I intend to do again at some point. But ultimately, to achieve that response of building that aerobic base, you don't have to run. You can row. You can cycle. You could even possibly do slow-duration buppies. But that would probably be really boring for you, Alec. <laughs> Potentially. 
Is, is, have you ever tried? Is Buppy something that you've ever implemented into your training uh, Not, not in any kind of like uh, regimented fashion or or programmed in any kind of an intelligent way. It's something that I would do like every now and then. What I'm searching for is what I just call like a one-off training effect. So like if I'm out traveling or something like that. So when say you don't have for me like the when you don't have access to an ideal situation, yeah, I stop worrying about the larger program yeah. and I hone in on the day. So I'm like, today, I just want to achieve this, whatever, wh whatever the goal happens to be. Um, and generally, when you don't have access to a lot of equipment, what you tend to fall back onto is less weight or he less heavy weight and more more conditioning based concepts and that's where yeah. i would do something like that or something like jump jumping rope uh yeah. that kind of thing yeah. um so again not not really regimented in any kind of intelligent fashion or anything like that but uh yeah. what about you like i've gathered that is that's part of one of your things right yeah it's probably my main thing uh, <laughs> probably my niche so to speak is buppy okay. training uh, but i always like to see if like people do it most of the guests that i have on nowadays don't do it some probably don't even want to talk about it and i understand that because the mindset based around burpees is of punishment because it is a particularly brutal exercise but right. it, it, it is what it is but i want to go back on something that you said earlier that, that I've, I've kept uh, by you which is when you were speaking at the start and talking about the way you train and the, the the concepts you implement is your programming meticulously designed uh for the people who i coach yes the programs that you can buy on my website yes for myself no <laughs> what i do is i i do a lot of like um at this point I do a lot of like uh, just kind of tweaking around a lot of experimentation. There yeah. is a, there's a general direction that I'm trying to go, but yeah. beyond that, I just work within like a framework of things that I either know are going to nudge me in that direction or things that I think are going to nudge me in that direction. And then I just kind of observe, I see what happens. And then with that, I take those ideas and then I distill them into something that makes sense, that creates more of a linear path. And that's the kind of shit that I will sell to people, right? right okay. So what I'm doing is basically the way of finding that. In, in yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, that makes sense because if you are programming for people, it does have to be meticulous because people mm -hmm. will come to you with a goal in mind and it's hardly likely you're going to say, yeah, just go into the gym and just do what you feel like. Just have fun. <laughs> Oh, don't run, don't run, running shit. Don't run. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but like with regards to yourself, like what is your approach to a training session? Do you have it plotted out to the finest detail or do you just no, go I, in? So I have a framework. Um, so if we're talking like, uh, not even lift, if we're talking any, whatever it happens to be, let's say, so let's say my main, my main lower body day right now it's all weight room work um and it's all like categories basically so like first thing i'm gonna do i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna hit a heavy squat 
I don't care what squat is. I don't even know what squat is. I will, I'll sit there in the hours before I intend to work out and I'll go, what do I feel like doing today? And then I'll, from there, whatever, what, you know, whatever, whatever sounds the most exciting on that particular day, whatever the hell it happens to be, that's what I'll end up going out. And I'll do that because whatever is exciting me that day is probably what I'm going to excel the most at. So that's all that is. It is go out, work up to a heavy squat. <clears throat> the second thing I do is volume. So I switch after that, after I do the heavy leg work and I switch to a volume leg exercise. For that, I try to pick something that is less mentally intensive. So let's say I went out, <clears throat> something I'm doing a lot lately for my heavy work is front squats where you start from the bottom. So the bar is sitting on the pins. I got to wedge myself underneath of it and I got to stand up with it. I'll do that up to a heavy single. Yeah, That's very mentally taxing for me. After that, I want something that is not mentally taxing. So in that case, I've been doing something like, uh, have you heard of a Hatfield squat? You know what yeah, that is? Yeah, yeah. So I'll do something like the Hatfield squat or I'll do a unilateral leg variation. <clears throat> and in these cases, in now I'm going way up in reps and down in load. So now I want to do... 10, 15, maybe even 20 reps in a set. That's slot number two. So heavy work, then volume work. Slot number three, I'll do a hinge for my hamstrings and my and my posterior chain uh, or my glutes, whatever. So in that case, it can be anything. It can be a hyperextension. It can be a, any variant of a good morning. It can be any variant of a Romanian deadlift. Again, whatever the hell I feel like doing that day. It's not pre-planned. And then after that, I finish up with kind of like ancillary work. So Something for my abs. Lately, what I've been doing is trying to remaster the standing ab wheel rollout yeah, yeah, and yeah. then <clears throat> some of those hip functions. So lately, what I've been doing is direct work for the hip flexors. Um, those things will the, – the first three exercises will vary, will, will vary from week to week, and then those last two will – rotate through over the course of every few weeks kind of deal yeah yeah so so basically the format is quite rigid but the exercise selection is fluid right right okay so, that's so something I've, go ahead no no on you go on you go uh, i was just gonna say that's something i've talked about a lot in recent history um like on my youtube channel I don't, yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff but i made a video a few months ago basically talking about how the specific exercises that you choose to do basically are are irrelevant essentially because at least from a strength and a strength and hypertrophy perspective over time the best results are going to come from mastering as many of these things as you possibly can and implementing as many of them as you possibly can so like what you see a lot of is you see a lot of paralysis by analysis where a guy want to know is this squat better than this squat? Is that yeah, deadlift yeah. variation better than? And it's like they're all good in their own way. So being as good as at as many of them as you can be, in my opinion, is really kind of the way to go. And that's something that I have really, really embraced lately with that conjugate style stuff. It's something I've been talking about a lot the last few years. That's like a, I basically wrote a book about conjugate manual uh, with a with a very regimented type of program using that exact type of framework that I'm talking yeah. about here. So like the guy, whoever uses the program, they get to pick whatever the heck they want to fill in all the slots with, but all the, but the, the, the framework is all very structured for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. And when you fall into that concept, you, you really do start to realize that 
it, it doesn't really matter what what you're doing specifically today. It really only matters what's happening over time, like what the bigger picture is. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's fascinating. Also, like to go back to Jody Franco because I was listening to his podcast recently, and he was speaking about like what's the best, not the best training method, but ways to get jacked after a certain age or something. And training novelty was something okay. that was mentioned a lot because he's a big believer in cycling exercises every yeah. three or four weeks, just changing it up constantly. And it made a lot of sense to me, but at the same time, it kind of jars against a lot of the information that's presented. And I, and I can understand why, because we always speak about progressive overload. It's like the, the principle that's like just rammed down your throat because obviously it's, it's, it's important. It's a big factor. But a lot of people would argue that it's hard to measure progressive overload if you're constantly changing the exercises. That's so true. it's it seems to me that your style of training is is quite advanced in this respect. Would you say that your training is geared towards the more intermediately intermediate advanced trainer as opposed to the beginner? I would say that a lot of the stuff that I talk about on on my YouTube channel is gonna is going to lean more towards intermediate to advanced. Um. But that doesn't I, – I guess the reason why is because the beginner stuff is just that. It's beginner. So, like, it's very easy. And I wouldn't implement these concepts, the ones I was just talking about, for anybody who was new. In fact, kind of like almost contradicting myself. <laughs> one, thing <that> I, <laughs> one thing that I like to do is I almost like to not force people – but I like to get people to actually milk out all the gains they can get from linear progression style programming yeah, before yeah. switching to something like what I'm talking about now. And, and because like what you, what one thing you were seeing a few like years ago was a bad mouthing of linear progressions. Um, like, Oh, they don't work. They're too, whatever. I don't even remember what the criticisms were, but you were seeing a lot of bad mouthing of it. And it, and it immediately jumped out to me is this doesn't make any sense at all because I was, <clears throat> I was basically what most people would consider advanced or elite or whatever before I had ever deviated from that style of programming myself. And <clears throat> what I found was people just don't, they don't typically implement it correctly. They end up, they end up just basically like, I don't know, progressing too fast or not waving the load, the training loads enough. And they just end up running themselves into a wall. And what you find is when you take one of these guys who is either a, a late beginner or an early intermediate, 99% of the time you take him, you make him move three steps back and then you build him back up and then you wave him back down a little bit and then you build him back up a little bit higher and you just keep doing that. And what happens is all of a sudden this guy who couldn't get past the 225 pound squat is squatting 400 pounds and you haven't even taken him off of a linear progression yet. You've just modulated shit correctly. And, and it, it really makes this like profound difference. Um, so I, I don't like it when I see people bad mouthing like basic linear progression style programming because I've seen like what it can do. And it is very predictable. But even within that framework, like I don't ever leave, I don't typically leave a, a single exercise in the program for more than two to three months at a time, 
right? So yeah. I still will be rotating movements out. And that is even maybe not with an uber beginner, but even with a pretty a pretty new trainee, I will still give them that effect. Part of it keeps spurring the progress wheel and part of it that with through that novelty effect and part of it is getting them the <clears throat> helping them to master a, a variety of different movements early on in the game. So now yeah. we have this bigger toolbox, right? Yeah. For when we do become more advanced. So, yeah. So would you say that your style of training or your style of coaching is kind of suited towards those who have an inclination to program hop? Uh, I think it can be helpful for those people because that's what that's a an ailment that you often see. Yeah. Um, and when you can get these guys to settle in, like <clears throat> you can you can really get you can help them to exceed what their own expectations are um and maybe part of that is giving them some variety to help keep them interested but a lot of times even that <clears throat> sorry even that concept notwithstanding what happens is in my experience you start once they start to see like oh shit we've been doing we we started way down here i thought this was too easy but then all of a sudden they're way up here, way ahead of where they ever thought they were going to be. Once that kind of starts to happen, once they actually see that progress kicking in for themselves, that's where you really start to get the buy-in. And then yeah. it doesn't even much matter anymore. Once somebody really believes, that's when like shit opens up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mate, so I, I, I want to move on a wee bit, Alex, because I want to speak about how I discovered your content, and it was through the Noble Natty community. Okay. But at the same time, you seem quite far removed from the Noble Natty community in the style what that you've been. Sense? So why why am I finding you through the Noble Natty community while you're training? That was a mic drop moment. <laughs> why am I finding your comment through the noble natty? Because your name pops up. So why do you say that? Just out of curiosity, what what is what is the fundamental difference to you that you see? Because you don't. There's no bodybuilding element to your style of training. <laughs> uh I think it's that's performance based Joe DeFranco style. Uh, that's the, that's the way I envision it. But your name was popping up in comments and I was seeing and that's how I found you. That was the funnel. Okay. Uh, honestly, I'll, so I'll say, I'll start by saying, I don't know. <laughs> I I was like last year or a year and a half ago was the first time I heard that term, Noble Maddie. <laughs> uh, and, and people were calling me it and I didn't, I didn't know where it came from. And I was like, all right, fine, cool. I'll just, I'm with it. Cause I see like, you know, uh, Jeffrey Brady Schofield, the bald Omni man, uh, all those dudes. And I'm like, yeah, they're all, they're all cool dudes. I'll, I'll be in on this group. <clears throat> and I like the concept of not promoting steroid usage because yeah. I think it's just too much of that. Um, so I, I was, you know, it was a cool idea. I will admit that I am not really in the same sort of training ideology as most of those guys, but there is a lot of, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. So like maybe not as much. So the hypertrophy, um, at least from the performance standpoint, unless you're starting off like a guy like me where you were a twig and you do really just need to put some damn size on your frame. Um, but strength and, and hypertrophy are 
intertwined. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're inseparably intertwined. So there's yeah. always going to be an aspect of those things overlapping because strength and hypertrophy are intertwined and inseparable and strength and athleticism are as well. The, the fundamental basis for improving athleticism is first to improve force production. So you kind of have to, you got to master that first part to master that second part from, from where I'm sitting. Yeah. So I yeah. think that that kind of creates the, uh, some of that overlap that you see. Yeah. Yeah. It's sense. almost like, like the, the normal nineties are like the Avengers and everybody's got their own different skill set. It's the athletic yeah, own different superpowers. That's cool. That's a cool <laughs> way to look at it. <laughs> okay, Alex. So let's let's talk about your favorite exercises for increasing performance. Okay, what is your go-to lower body exercise for increasing your vertical jump? <laughs> uh, it, so it really depends on where the guy is. Let's say that. Let's say it's your typical guy who is uh, who, your typical guy who comes to me. He once you get kind of funneled into that niche that you see that noble natty niche on YouTube, they're not typically ranked beginners, at least not in my experience. They typically have a little bit of experience in the weight room, so they're like they're working on getting their way to the intermediate stage, or they're in the very beginnings of the intermediate stage. Um, typically. I got to just put you, I got to just get your legs stronger. It's kind of like first things first. So we're going to squat, right? Um, <clears throat> now that can, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a tough question to answer because it really depends on what the deficiency of the guy in a guy, what the deficiency that that particular guy has is primarily. Um, I'll just say, I'll keep it as general as I can and just say strength is typically the biggest thing. So we typically will work on leg strength first and foremost. So that's again, squats. So that's okay. kind of, what, what is the superior squat in your opinion? The superior, say that again. What is the superior squat in your opinion? Uh, in terms of what low bar versus high bar. Any squat, front squat, Hatfield squat, safety Oh, man, squat. any squat. All right, we're front, <laughs> any kind of front squat, dude. Any kind of front squat takes the cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't front squat anymore because my wrists are made of glass. And, <laughs> what do you got to do the zombie squat? Yeah, I know, but... Yeah, I could do that, actually. It's, it's something that's never crossed my mind. It's just that I need to protect the integrity of my wrists because they take a pounding through high-volume burpees. They really do. So to do a squat would be taking away me away from my bread and butter in that respect. But I do like a front squat. I always remember the first time I front squatted two plates. I used to get trained by this old Scottish uh, Olympic weightlifting coach. He was the hardest guy ever. He was, like, he was an ex-bouncer. He had a moustache. He would wear a cardigan. His name was Stevie McIndoe. If he listens to this, hello, Stevie. <laughs> And what I'm going to say is two things he did were controversial and probably will get me cancelled for saying this. Uh, but one day I walked over the bar in the gym, like there was an Olympic bar on the rack and I stepped over it and he went, oh, you, come here, come here. That's what he said in Scotland. He went, oh, oh. So he's, he's, he's beckoned me over. He's like, never step over the bar. Never step over the bar. That's a rule, man. You don't do that. I know, but, but it blew my mind. I was like, 
wow. He's like, it, it just, there was a symbolic nature to that statement exactly. that really caught my attention. But the That's second like one the was... Steel, the steel plates, the traditional steel plates. You yeah. never load them facing outward. You only load them facing <laughs> inward. <laughs> that, that, that's a new one. That's a new one. But the second one was, and this, bear in mind, this guy's a, a man of his time. But when I initially started... You know when you first do Olympic weightlifting, it destroys your body for the first week or two. Like the doms you have are like insufferable. First year or two. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I had doms, and I've went Stevie, mate. Like I, I'm really sore. I'm really sore. And he went, "It's a man sport." <laughs> and then I was like, "Right, okay." <laughs> like it completely emasculated me. <laughs> completely emasculated me, but it worked. I was like, right, okay, I'll, I'll never say that again. I'll never say that again. <laughs> I don't even know how I got on it. Yeah, he taught me how to uh, front squat two, two plates. He he got me doing that through the ferocity of his personality. And it was it was a, like a watershed moment for me, more right. so than like doing your first back squat with two plates. Like that was just kind of right. a given, but like a front squat with two front, you, you just feel that power as you come up. Because you're right. keeping that 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 torso upright, you're feeling the elbows just flying up, your upper back's just pumped. Well, you got to do the zombie squat, man. That's like next level. Because with a front squat, when you got that front rack, you know you can't you can't cheat too much. You can't like like with a back squat, you can go and do that. With a front squat, when you have your hands on the bar, you can go a little bit, right? Yeah. When you're zombie squatting, if you tip like that, bar's gone. So yeah. you just perfectly upright it's the only choice yeah. it changes I, it, it just adds a new element to it yeah i used to teach the zombie squat actually in one of my barbell classes just as a coaching cue to get people that's used it. it's to, a good learning tool yeah yeah just to get them used to where the bar should be exactly well yeah because a lot of people you put the bar on their shoulders and they think well okay i'm holding this bar in my hands no no you're fucking not you don't even need your hands the bar is just sitting right here <laughs> absolutely absolutely so listen alec i'm gonna to have to wrap this up uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure i'm, I'm not gonna lie I've, I've had a really good laugh yeah maybe. Uh, good yeah absolutely so before i go alec can you tell the listeners where they can find you uh, you can find me at OnCuriaElitefitness.com or you can check out my YouTube channel, which I believe is Onkiri underscore Elite. You may not have the underscore in there. I'm not sure. But I'm on YouTube, Onkiri Elite Fitness. If you search for me, you'll find me. And then my website's OnCuriaElitefitness.com. Yeah, and he's forgot to mention he's also on Instagram and he never answers his messages on Instagram. I answer probably. after like three or four days. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so, so don't contact him through Instagram. Uh, but I, I'll write them in my links. But uh, listen, Alec, that was an, abs an absolute pleasure. I, I, I'm really uh, happy that this uh, came off. That, that was superb. I loved it, pal. I loved it. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah, sure. Okay, though.